Assalamu alaikum and good morning to you. If you are listening to me in the afternoon hours, good afternoon to you. If you are listening to me in the evening hours, good evening to you. And if you've ever allowed me the privilege to speak to your being before you lay your head to rest, good night to you. I want to continue our five-part series entitled Surviving the Pain. My journey through the pain. This would be part two of that series, which I would entitle, How Can I Move Forward? How Can I Move Forward? I remember upon flying back home after being home with my family, enjoying time with my family, and also mourning the loss of my cousin, I remember getting back here and feeling myself feeling nothing. I spoke about in part one how when my brother died, I really felt numb. Like I felt no pain. I felt, didn't feel sorrow. I didn't feel hurt. I didn't feel teary. I just felt nothing. I was numb to anything that had anything to do with emotion or anything, period. And so with my cousin, I felt a different type of numbness. This is this was the part where I did feel broken. And as I said in part one, you may be broken, but you're not in pieces. When I flew back home and I finally got to myself and I was with myself and I began to think. And I began to have a conversation with the almighty. And I asked not only myself, but the Almighty, how can I move forward? My family hadn't suffered a personal immediate death in I can hardly remember. Uh, My great grandmother passed away when I came back from China and you know she was 96 years old so and and everyone knew it was on the horizon but this one was different this was our mumu <laughs> this was our we couldn't touch him growing up you know he had a a heart condition and uh we just you know he played football with us we couldn't hit him because if you hit him you're going to get your butt whooped <laughs> you know we couldn't scare him because we didn't know what would happen but he was strong, like he defied all of those things. And ironically, I spoke about my great-grandmother who passed away when I came back from China. Dur- during this same period, he ended up having to have a major heart surgery, which was the, from what I can recall and what I know is, was the last one where they had to do some corrections within his chest. And so, That was the one to where we knew he would be fine. And I remember, I remember watching him with the tubes in his mouth and everything. And I said to him, you can't die on me. And I'm going to say that he heard me (laughs) because he didn't, he didn't die. And I'm, I'm watching and everyone left the room and I stayed back and I had, I had to tell him. Not right now. Like, you can't do this right now. You can't die on me. And during this period, uh, 
my family, everyone was gathered together, which is something that, um, you know, it, it happens, but this was the most because Mumu was our golden child. <laughs> I tell everyone, he was the best among us. Like, he didn't do the things that we did. He didn't act out how we acted out. I'm pretty sure throughout his 33 years that he got a spanking or a butt whooping here and there. But I can guarantee you it probably probably is all on one hand. I like myself and all my other cousins. We, we got a, a whole bunch of them. But Mumu was different. Mumu had a light about him. Uh, Mumu... He didn't, he didn't take no nonsense now. You're you going to come correct or you can't come at all with Mumu. <laughs> but the devastation of it being him is what broke me so much. Him being 33 years old and being, you know, he just, he was in a position to get ready to graduate college. And so... He found out right before that that he was going to walk and he didn't live to see himself walk the stage. And I remember going back through my old messages and I was looking at one of the messages where when I was in Peru, I was playing in Peru. And uh, I, I can't really recall why we were in that space that we were talking where he was like heavenly concerned with me. Like, are you okay? Are you good? Now, let me remind you, you know, I know a lot of good people that can help me when I need to be helped. Let's put it that way. And, you know, he's not the violent type, but he's definitely the caring type. And he was really pressing me about how I was feeling. Am I okay? Is everything all right? And that is the epitome of who Mumu was. Uh, his name is Tamaris Jamal Taylor, but we call him Mumu. Because that is our Mumu. And um, the devastation of it being him really struck me hard. I remember when my pops called me, it, it, it just shocked me. Like it shocked my whole system. I probably heard my pops cry twice my whole life. <laughs> and, and I'm not including when he's in the church worshiping God but like in, in utter pain, you know, I haven't, I, I heard it in his voice and that broke me, you know, and I remember his first words to me, I said, hello. And he said to me, Mumu dead. I said, Mumu who? <laughs> you know how we do as a people, who? Even though we heard what was said, we always re-asked the question to get clarification of what we thought we heard. And he said, Mumu dead. And I said, Mumu who? Mumu, Mumu, your cousin, Mumu is dead. And I said, hold up, man. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. How? I sat up, and I mean, I sat up straight. Like, how? And, you know, I got the story, the pieces that they could give me at the time, because a lot was going on within that time. And I remember... Uh, asking how my mother's doing. He was like, surprisingly, she's okay because my mother uh, takes people leaving here a little different and she was fine and she was being the one that was holding everyone together, which was ironic. And um, I remember getting off the phone and I ended up riding to Chick-fil-A. 
I was like, let me just go get me some breakfast and think about this and think about how I'm feeling. Like, what is what is going on? And I remember sitting in the car and I love playing my music while I'm in the car because I love the vibe. I love to sit within myself. I love to hear my thoughts and feel the presence of the Almighty all around me while I'm riding because I'm in my own space right now. And I remember sitting in silence and just really trying to wrap my head around what I just heard. Is this a real conversation? Did I just really had a real conversation with my pops about Mumu? I really had to ask myself that question. Was this conversation real? And of course, like many things, until we face the reality of what we believe we heard or what has been introduced to us, we're low-key in denial. And I wasn't so much in a denial state, but if you want to do it on a psychological standpoint, that's what they would describe it as, me being in denial. And so the next day I told myself, I said, I'm just going to go play basketball. And at this time I was in pretty good shape. I was playing and uh, working out and I, I said, I just need to play basketball. And part of me was in the place of would I know how to control my emotions within playing the game of basketball? Because as many of you know, when you're playing at a high level against other guys who are at a high level, it's a lot of emotion that goes into it. It's a lot of um, pushing, tussling, you know, trash talking. And this particular day, uh, I said nothing to no one. And of course, you know, people knew something was different, something was off. And I think I told one of the brothers and uh, it was like, oh man, so I didn't hear that. And every jump where I hit, I just thought about my cousin. Every break we got, I just thought about my cousin. And within that moment, from hearing it up until that Wednesday, I don't think I had shed a tear yet. And I remember um, within my mind, anxiously waiting and low-key avoiding calling his brothers and his mom, my aunt, because I was just like, what do I say? They know how I feel in terms of who he is. When I was in second grade, I fought my second grade teacher. She tried to put me in detention and I knew I could not be in detention. (laughs) There's no way that I could be in detention because I knew what would happen if I would have to stay after school for detention. I can't lose two battles. So um, they both tried to keep me in and I fought my way out. And the first place I went to was to their house. I practically, you know, when my mother had to work and go places, I practically grew up in their house. And then when we moved uh, from South from Florida, and then we moved to South Carolina because I didn't live within the district of where the school was, I would always go to their place. And so my mother and her sisters, they were all close and they all were, you know, they all looked out for each other's children, essentially. And so especially with me and my sister, because we did not live in the same county, which where the schools were, So it was a daily dose of them 24-7. And I remember 
you know, even when we got older, there was a little stint within there where we all lived together at one time. You know, and having that and those memories of all of that came pouring back in. And once the games were over, I remember going to Kroger and I said, I got out, I sat in the car, I stopped at the stop sign. I was like, I need, I need to call his brother. I need to give him a call. I need to see how he's doing because I know he's broken. I just know it. And I hadn't spoken to his brother in a couple of years. Like we, uh, like over the phone, like we've communicated, but we did not speak once I moved. Um, no beef, we just had life. And uh, so I called him, you know, just to see how he was doing. and. This was the first time that I broke down because I felt like talking to him was as if I was talking to Mumu. And this was the first time any emotion within myself, everything flowed out. And I just couldn't stop crying. And it wasn't even at the point where, and if I can really describe uh, what I was feeling within those tears, I wasn't feeling so broken. I wasn't feeling so hurt. Those tears just felt like they had to come out and I could not stop them. I could not stop any of it. Because growing up and possibly and probably even until today, in this very hour, for me, feeling hurt and pain makes, makes me angry. I don't like to be hurt. I don't like to be in pain. And so all of that turns in, turned into a rage to where it was, I don't wanna deal with anyone. I don't wanna to talk to anyone. I don't, give, I don't care about any emotions that nobody else has. I don't care. And so as the time continued to move further, because it's now leading up to me having to go home to face the fact that my cousin is no longer here. And so once I fly home, I get home, I see everyone. And of course, everyone, you know, goes to see the body. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I got to miss all of that. I don't want any of that. I don't want to encounter any of that. I don't want to see any of that. I will see him when I need to see him. And his brother said that, his brother asked me before I even came, would I do the prayer? And again, I could not respond. I just cried. He was like, if you can do it, Mumu would love. If you can do it, Mumu would love it if you did it. And it broke me because growing up, you know, our mothers kept us in church. And Mumu was the reason that I even really wanted to go to church. Like we were the same age and you know, watching him shout around the church, dance, cry. I, I remember anytime he would get done praising God, shouting and crying, I would kneel down beside him while he's in the middle of him crying, thanking Jesus. Hey, how does that feel? <laughs> what do you feel right now? Where are you? Can tell me. And, uh, and it was just a funny thing because he knew that I was going to do that. Like it was going to happen. Soon as he was done shouting, I'm right there. Tell me how I feel. 
what do you feel right now? And um, it's funny because he got saved so young and it, it made me want to be a part of that and uh, be a part of what he was doing. We sung in the choir together and he used to sing. Yes, I sung in the choir. I want to say at one time in my life, I had a soprano voice and I thought I sounded really, really good. And if I dig even further within the memories, when my mother got married, I sung the, uh, I forgot who actually sings it right now, but I sung the song, uh, Mama, you know that I love you so much. I forgot the actual lyrics to the song and the song itself, but um, I would sing it, but I don't have that voice anymore. But he sung it with me to my mother on her wedding on her wedding day. And um, so many memories that rushes and comes. And so when Brandon asked me to do the prayer, it was just like, man, like, you know, not only am I honored, but you might be right. Mumu probably really does want me to do it. And upon getting down there, hearing the stories that I've heard about what happened and everything, we get to the actual funeral and it was just a memorial service. It was just, it was beautiful. It was amazing. The preacher preached a sermon that lifted my whole family. And many of you won't know this and won't know the internal details of this, but the sermon title was called Taylor Made. And um, it's, it's a whole lot behind that, but uh, it was fitting for my family, you know, for the cousins, for the family, for grandma, everyone. And uh, I remember as I was getting ready to get up to, you know, pray, I was fine, and then they started pulling pictures out that I had never seen before of us as children that I don't even remember. And I couldn't do anything but cry because I'm looking like we literally grew up together. Like we literally, and I've had people within my, that I'm close with that have passed away, that were killed, that were murdered, that died, that killed themselves. But this one hit me differently. And every time I got up to, and I would look at the casket, not him in the casket, but at the casket because I knew he was in the casket, I would just break down. And I remember telling my, my pops, I said, pops, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. I can't do this. And my pops, because my, my knees were weak, I, I remember feeling my knees shake. I remember feeling so broken on the inside. And that's why I said in part one, you may be broken, but you're not in pieces. And remember the, the can where there's a lot of pieces in it, but there's a seal that closes it up. And I remember feeling shattered and in pieces. And my pops grabbed me and held me. And he kept me up. Because I literally felt like I couldn't stand up on my own two feet. But my pops kept me up. He held me up. So no one would see me fall. And he said to me, yes, you can. They wouldn't have chose you if you couldn't do it. And so I just closed my eyes and refrained from looking at the casket and began to pray. And um, I remember leaving and looking at him and my only reaction, someone had asked me, why did I look at him the way that I did? And it was simply because I could not believe that he was in there. 
how do you get in there? I could not believe it. And it fast forwards me back to the beginning of this podcast where when I got here, I had to ask myself and God, how can I move forward? There is no way I can move forward. There is no way I can be me in the midst of this pain. There's no way I can spread the light, the joy, the peace, the overstanding that everyone seeks from me when I'm in the middle of this period within my life where I feel like every fiber of my being has been ripped. There's no way. So how can I move forward? And people always say that time heals all wounds. I don't believe in that, even though on the surface it heals the wound, but the scar is still there and the memory of the scar is still there. So now how then can I move forward? God, my neighbor, how can I then move forward when I have to deal with the reminder of the scar? And if anyone of you, I have a vivid memory in terms of if I see something, if I've read it, seen it, I might not remember who, who exactly did it, but the memory of, the remembrance of the moment of what I saw would be there. And so though you might not have that open wound anymore, but the scar is there and every now and then the memory of the pain comes back. So again, God, how can I move forward? It started off as a question. God, how can I move forward? How can I empower these people around me? How can I continuously tell these people to change their mind so that they can change their life even though in the middle of my mind, I feel utter destruction? I don't feel like helping nobody. I don't feel like making nobody feel good. I don't feel like making nobody smile. I don't feel like giving nobody a hug. I feel like hurting someone. Within this period of my life, this was the first time in my life that I ever wanted to murder somebody. Yes, I said it. Because in the middle of my pain, that's where I was. So it stayed as a question, God, how can I move forward? It no longer was a question that I could ask myself because I didn't even care anymore. So how can I move forward? And then we lose Carol Batie, which I would dive deeper into part three, but then we lose her, which takes it to another level. And as you listen to in part one, I lost my brother. And in losing my brother, I felt like my whole soul was depleted. Tupac has a lyric where he says, and shed so many tears, I feel my soul was de depleted. I couldn't see it. I had a mind full of demons trying to break free. They planted seeds and they hearts, they hats sparked into flames inside my brain like a match. It's such a dirty game. And that's how I felt. I literally felt the words of the lyrics of the late great Tupac Shakur within myself because in this very moment, I could give a, you know what, 
about how anybody else felt. So now I have to figure out how can I move forward goes from a question to an exclamation point because I have to find the answer. I have to because regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I don't want to do, life will continue to go on with or without me. The people around me will need me regardless of what I feel. People quit to say, take time for yourself, but how can you truly take time for yourself when you are selfless in giving of yourself? Let me repeat that. How can you take time for yourself when you are selfless in giving of yourself? And that's where I found myself. How can I give people the powerful side of me without giving them the destructive side of me. How? It's easy to do it when you're happy and everything is going right and everything is going the way that you want it to go, but how can I give them the powerful side of me, the the positive side of me, the prosperous side of me, the productive side of me, the part of me that helps with the progression of their lives and not give them the parts of me that feel dead that feels destruction, that feels down and out and downtrodden. How can I give them? And so I begin to think about the plants, the environment, the earth. One one thing about life and the thing that God created, it has its season. And depending on which season that it finds itself within, that's where you will see where you got to till the ground, plant the seed, water it. Different environments require different situations. And so I had to take the question mark of how can I move forward and put the exclamation of how can I move forward and now tell you how. I begin to live in the memory of those that have left me. I begin to think about what I can do to bring more relevance to who they were. The parts of me that they love that I can push more into the world. The things that I was afraid to do because of whatever, whatever, I can now find strength because of them to push it forward. To not care about certain Uh, repercussions of the decisions that I may make pertaining to certain things, all praise is due to God. Thanks to them, I can make these things happen. So now, instead of the question, I have the exclamation. I will live for you. I will lift you to the hills. I will honor you all by being a better version of myself. Well, some of you may say, well, were you not a better version of yourself? But one thing about life, we all have to evolve. Stagnant water stinks. So regardless of what it takes in order for us to get to the next level and evolve to another place, because one thing about elevation, you can get to a place and realize and figure out, hey, I made it and get comfortable. 
And for some people, it takes drastic change to create change. And God knows best. How can I move forward? The exclamation, not the question. This podcast has been sponsored by my book, Change Your Mind, Change Your Life, how the power of your thoughts have changed everything in and around you. You can get it off my website, www.shabazzglobalenterprises.b or off of Amazon. Change your mind, change your life. How the power of your thoughts can change everything in and around you. Have a good morning, have a good afternoon, have a good evening, or have a good night. Assalamu alaikum.